Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. Hi, everybody. Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast. And today we have the huge honor being with a very special guest, Dr. Kevin Christie. Dr. Kevin is a uh, DC uh, doctor of chiropractic care. He is in Boca Raton, Florida, and uh, very much like me, I feel like I'm talking to my doppelganger here. He not only has a successful private practice with two locations, but he also helps other chiropractors grow their practice as well. So welcome to the podcast here, Dr. Kevin. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So uh, I, I was reading through and you are an evidence-based sports chiropractor. I'm familiar with the term, um, uh, sorry, evidence-informed mm-hmm. sports chiropractor. I'm familiar with the term evidence-based. And I was wondering if our listeners, for our listeners, you could explain exactly what that is. Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, that you bring that up because this morning I was doing some research. Uh, I've, I've been brought on by a state association of chiropractors for helping them with marketing. And, and one of the things they wanted me to talk about was some of the legalities uh, of marketing. And obviously every state is different, so it gets tricky. So I had them send me over all their legalese and, and was reading through it. And part of what I wanted to start out with this article for them was uh, defining kind of that. And sometimes words mean the same. Sometimes they're similar. Sometimes they're different. You know, evidence-based has really caught on. Uh, and then now you're starting to see a little bit more of the word evidence informed in the evidence evidence based is typically combining your clinical experience uh, with also scientific evidence, but then also patient values. Um, and I think a lot of times the evidence based gets a little too hardwired into the current only known research, whereas the evidence informed tries to maybe stay a little bit ahead of that because as we know, research can be very slow, right? And so I would say the evidence informed is definitely taking the the current research as your guide, but also some of your clinical experience and such a a bit more. And so if I had to define the the difference, that that would be uh, my interpretation of it is like, okay, I'm definitely letting the evidence inform me in my decision-making, but I'm not going to be so hard and fast on the empirical evidence as it is currently today, right? Like it, it can be tricky for sure. Uh, but sometimes if we're too evidence-based, we're, we're a year behind in a lot of times. Great. Love it. Um, that, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you for defining that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, how, how'd you get started in, uh, do, how'd you get started in chiropractic care and ultimately the specific niche that you're in right now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was an athlete growing up, baseball in particular, high school, um, you know, 94 to 98 and had a sports injury, had a chiropractor working with me. And uh, ultimately, I knew I was going to be a professional baseball player until you start realizing uh, some of the I'm in South Florida. I grew up here. So the talent is really good. And there's those eye opening moments when you see the guys that actually have a chance, you know, like I was I was good. But then you're like, oh, oh, that's what that's what D one college looks like. Right. So, uh, you know, I had to figure a different path and, and luckily for me, uh, I had a really cool English teacher and we had to do a project on 
what we wanted to do for a living. And we had to do this huge research and, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and my mom was like, oh, why don't you at least do it on the chiropractor who helped you out? And so I did. Uh, I was probably 17 years old at the time and, and really enjoyed that project and ultimately set my eyes on doing that. Um, I was good academically, so I didn't want to follow the dream of baseball. And, you know, I probably could have done community college, but I knew I wasn't going to make it. So I went to Florida State in a, as an exercise physiology major, and that was my path to getting all the requirements I needed for uh, chiropractic school. Uh, but when I was there, I was actually, I did a, a really good internship uh, with the strength and conditioning department. And I got to work with um, all of the athletes, except for football, baseball, and uh, basketball, but everything else. And I really enjoyed it. So once I did matriculate into chiropractic school, I knew I wanted to, to really focus on uh, sports injuries. And so that's what I did through my four years of chiropractic school, really focused on that and graduated in 2005. Uh, went to Logan Chiro Chiro Chiropractic College in St. Louis, moved back home to South Florida in 2005 and started from there. That's awesome. Love this story. Um, for I, I mentioned doppelganger before. Um, so I have a very similar baseball story. Yeah. Also, so you, know, you know what it's like when you see that, that person like, oh, okay. Well, my, mine was seeing somebody throw 95 miles an hour and having to face them. And I was like, this is yeah. not, yeah, my dream is not there. Uh, did, did you have a similar experience with like, uh, you saw somebody hit a ball 500 feet or something like that? Yeah, there was three. I don't know if you remember Rick and Keel. Um, Absolutely. St. Louis right? Cardinals pitcher to outfielder. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people, they think it's so crazy that he was a starting pitcher in the major leagues and then re reinvented his career as a, as a power hitting outfielder, which is really unheard of. But he was down here in high school around the same time, and he was a guy who no hits you and hit three home runs like every time, right? Yeah. And they won the state championship, and and I you started to realize like it's guys like that that make it to the major leagues. Uh, so yeah, that that was the main one, and then there was a couple guys that were drafting the top ten pitchers uh, that we faced in our rival school, and and I remember sitting on second base because we we actually got to face their third pitcher who wasn't great. And so we actually had a chance in that game. And then I was on second base as our best hitter was up and we were only down one. So they brought in one of those two guys. And I say from the second base perspective, it's pretty funny to watch a, a pitcher completely obliterate our <laughs> best hitter, our best hitter who was also being scouted. So it wasn't like he was just a, a good hitter. And I just realized like, this is just different, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'll, uh, after we're done here, I'll have to show, I, I played with the number one draft pick okay. so you, um, at, at one point and it was ridiculous. Some of the stuff that I saw. Fully uh, ridiculous. Yep. Uh, very nice. Um, so the, the I, I know one of the, in doing research here, you have your own podcast, uh, Modern Chiropractic Mastery. Um, and it's very well done kudos to you for all the work that you put in there, because I know it's, it's a lot. Can you talk a little bit about the typical chiropractic um, private practice owner story and how they become overwhelmed? Yep. Because we all do this as clinicians and especially as private practice owners, and then how you help them work out of that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I would say uh, I'm, I'm a member of strategic coach, which is a entrepreneur coaching group. It's uh, Dan Sullivan. 
Yeah, exactly. And I was just, yeah, I was just there on Friday. I'm in the 10 X ambition group. So I've matured up into that second level. And so I learned from him directly and they have a concept called unique ability. And those are the activities that fascinate and motivate you. Uh, the, the level below that is an excellent activity. And those are things that you're really good at, but probably don't fascinate and motivate you. Uh, and then there's competent activities and there's incompetent activities. Those are the ones that really drain you. And so what I find is too many practitioners are doing too many of the incompetent and competent activities. Uh, and that really leads to frustration and, and, and burnout. Um, so I would say, you know, from an overarching standpoint, that's the first thing I would look at, right? And are you spending most of your time in the unique ability and less in time in that uh, incompetent and competent? And then the excellent, you know, you can dabble in that for a while. You have a longer shelf life in, in that activity. Um, the other thing is there's a, lot, there's a lot of, you know, difficult aspects of what we do as physical therapists or as chiropractors. And a lot of people tend to be introverts, but guess what you have to do all day, right? You have to show up and be on, even if you're having a tough day and you might have to have 25, 30 unique conversations all day long. And you're just not wired to talk that much. Right. Um, so I would say that is potentially something. Uh, but then lastly, one of the things that really, um, struck a chord with me is the book by Daniel, Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow. And for our audience, that's maybe in the first five years or so, give or take of practice, uh, he talks about system one thinking and system two thinking, right? And system one is just, if I asked you two plus two, four, right? Like you don't even have to think. System two is where you start to grind your gears in that frontal cortex and like, if I said, you know, 23 times 45, you're going to have to go into system two thinking and, and really um, burn through some calories to, to do that. And I think what happens in practice is uh, if you're finding yourself grinding your gears in system two a lot, that will fatigue you. And we've all had this story, even as we get experienced like you and I are, uh, you know, if your shift ends at six o'clock, and you're more of a morning person and you get that five, five fifteen patient comes in and it's a system two case where it's like really complicated. Uh, it's hard. Like I struggle at that point. Uh, but the, the moral of that story is, is like, give yourself some time. Uh, if you're early into practice, you might be just grinding into system two a little bit more than, than maybe you and I, Chad. Uh, and you'll get to a point in your career when you have that clinical expertise, efficiency experience, where you're functioning a lot more in system one and you get the occasional system twos and you can handle that. Uh, so I think those are a lot of the things that people need to think about uh, of why we could get burned out and potentially um, have some recognition around that. Awesome. The, uh, the way that I normally hear it for a clinician is, um, and I just want to make sure I have this right. Yep. By the way, great recommendation on thinking fast and slow. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when we first come out of school, I'm really good at treating, or at least I perceive I'm really good at treating. I, within two or three years, I can do it efficiently. But then when I open my own practice or I have to handle something else within my own private practice, now I need to market. Now I need to do personnel. Now I need to do all these things that I didn't necessarily go to school for. 
And that's where I really started to get into that system too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cause if you think about it, right? Like if you're a practice owner, you um, really got to be good clinically. So that takes, you know, six to eight years of schooling. You need to be good at marketing. That's a four-year degree, right? You have to be good at business. That's a four-year degree. You got to be good at communications. That's a four-year degree, right? And we're expected to do all four of those uh, really pretty well to have a thriving practice. And so uh, it can be challenging out of the gates and, and frustrating. Absolutely. Great. So we, if we play a hot tub time machine here and I'm back into 2003, I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a very specific point where um, I was treating um, and working roughly 80 hours a week yep. and a uh, brand new marriage and also uh, newborns, my the oldest son was born three days before I opened. So horrible timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were coaching me through and uh, I'll throw in there, my wife, Stephanie, and we're still married, which is positive yeah. ending to the story. So yeah, you know how sure. to, uh, but um, yeah, when she came to me, she said, Hey, uh, you know, you're, you, I, I want you to know your sons. I'm pregnant um, with uh, another, you're going to have another son here. You can't keep working like this. The money's great. So I, I was really overwhelmed. I knew she was right in terms of solving the time problem. Yeah. Going back and coaching me then, how, where would you start? How would you think through that? And like, is there one little win that you could give me to better control my time and not be so overwhelmed? Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, you know, it really, it sounds like you, you may have had pretty good profit margin then. You know, I think one of the problems we see in a lot of practices is the profit margin is very low. So you're kind of... Um, spinning your wheels a lot of time where it's like, yeah, I wish I could invest in this person or, th- or outsource this, but, but I can't. So you really got to design your business to where there is margin, right? And then I mean, it's not just, you know, margin of, of money. A lot of times it can be margin of time. And I am a big believer of reinvesting margin of money into margin of, of time. And so if you're in a situation where you can do that, you got to start writing out all of the $20 an hour tasks that you're doing, right? And understand that you should, as a, as a uh, physician or therapist or chiropractor, whatever, really need to be doing 250 to $300 an hour tasks, right? Which is treating patients and then maybe the things that will lead to, you know, like marketing, stuff like that, subject matter expert, uh, that's all important. Now, you got to do your patient notes. That's kind of like, you know, the tax of what we, I can't tell you not to do it. I know it's not, not fun and not great, but it's just, we have to do it. Um, so you really got to kind of whittle it down to where you're spending most of your time in patient care, doing your notes and reports and growing the practice, those big ticket items. And so the biggest struggle I see younger providers doing or ones that are getting burned out is they're doing way too many $20 hour in a test. So my coaching would be is write all those out and then start investing in a team member that can take all that off of you or even outsource. Like I have a, I've got a well-developed internal team that's employees and paid, but I also have virtual assistants and I use all these different things. So I've become really a sniper for delegation. So I would get very clear on a, on a very um, strategic delegation plan to get all those $20 an hour tasks off your plate and free yourself up so that you can have the time for family and obviously to grow the practice. Love it, Kevin. 
oddly, that is exactly <laughs> what uh, somebody walked me through. And I remember the one thing that I had on there was uh, cleaning the bathroom every Friday. Yeah. I mean, why are you doing that? Right. Yeah. And I, um, I had done it while I was in college, worked for a cleaning service and there was something in my brain that I could just knock this out, but it ended up being like 30 minutes every week to clean the two bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And I wrote down that, you know, it was 10 or $15 an hour at the time. I was like, why am I doing this? And, uh, we got a cleaning service in, they're still with us today. It's great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I love what you said there. I had to change my language on it because it used to be ten dollars an hour tasks. Now nothing's ten dollars an hour. So it's twenty dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah, when when Taco Bell's paying twenty dollars an hour, yeah. uh, excuse excuse the story a little bit. Um, great. So right now, um, I you you have a successful private practice, and you're also uh, doing the coaching and helping other chiropractors. How do you yourself balance? those times. Yeah. I mean, this is a fascinating time for me because, uh, as we record this, um, it's in mid June, 2022, uh, June 30th coming up here is my last day of patient care, believe it or not. Congrats. Um, yeah. In the last two years, I've only been treating patients on Mondays and Thursdays. And ultimately what happened was, um, in 2015, I really dove into marketing heavily for my practice because I, I was an in-network provider when I started my own practice in 2010, and they really kind of knocked our knees out here in Florida for, for chiropractic, where uh, they cut our reimbursement like 45% across the board. And so I decided to um, keep our level of care and go out of network and marketing really helped soften that transition a bit and it worked. And so honestly, all I did was in 2016, I started a closed Facebook group called Modern Chiropractic Marketing. And it was like kind of a think tank for marketing for evidence-informed chiropractors. And that took off. Like to now we have 4,500 chiropractors in there. It's very engaged. Uh, that led to a podcast in April of 2017. And at the time it was called Modern Chiropractic Marketing. Um, and we've had a weekly show for five years now. And I didn't even monetize anything for two years. Um, and now it's become a full-fledged company that's... Uh, good revenue and profits to where I've got staff and team and it's taken a lot of my time and effort. And it's been my uh, segue um, at age 42 to exit patient care uh, because I actually, um, I started a little bit later than you. Uh, I had my first son two and a half years ago and my second son four months ago. So I got a young family and my kind of guiding light has been to have freedom of schedule and location. And that's where we're at right now. And it's, it's exciting to be able to do it. So it's uh, helped, but a lot of people have asked me, how do you do all these things? Cause for a while I was doing, you know, four or five days a week of patient care and doing the marketing company and everything. And, and my answer has always been is like, I'm not because I've gotten really good at delegating uh, a lot. And so I've got a great team around me that allows me to focus on my uh, unique ability to to come back to that, and and just to to kind of wrap that part up, um, I I had to be honest with myself, and I realized that at one point in my career, patient care was a unique ability activity. I was fascinated and motivated by it. Well, what can happen is sometimes something can go from a unique ability down into an excellent activity because now, frankly, um, patient care doesn't fascinate and motivate me, and I had to be honest with that. And so it fell into an excellent activity 
And uh, I've really become very uh, targeted on focusing on my unique abilities. And, and that's where we're at now. Love it. Uh, by the way, I'm sure you had plenty of naysayers along the way. And yeah. don't you miss treating patients and mm -hmm. things along those lines as well. And uh, yeah. you're helping more people in the end. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was a, it was an emotional struggle, even internally, for sure. Yeah. Um, the, so you, you talked about the podcast and, uh, your, your groups there and also, uh, some of the programs that you have, I know you put a lot of work into, uh, your book, doing it right. Yeah. Uh, modern chiropractic marketing. Can you talk a little bit about some of the main ideas in that? Mm -hmm. What made, you know, what led you to writing a book and how has that influenced, um, your business, your practice, yeah. and more importantly, other, the practices of other DCs. Yeah. You know, it's been great. I knew I had a book in me. I had a lot of content through the podcast and blogging, and I really wanted it to be a book and a workbook. And uh, ironically, going back to my Facebook group, it's always a good um, sounding board for me. I'll run polls in there. I'll ask questions. I'll ask for resources. And a lot of people do that as well. But I had just asked in my group, like, you know, does anybody know uh, of a publisher that would be interested in, in a book like this. And the actual president of Parker University, which is a chiropractic school in Dallas, Texas, is in my group. And he ended up reaching out to me after I had posted that and said that their school has a, a publishing uh, arm to their, to their school and uh, they would be interested in publishing my book. And I was like, oh, for sure, you know? And so they are the ones really that um, did all, you know, double editing design, like, and I really wanted it to be a book and a workbook. I didn't want it to be marketing, uh, you know, theory. I, I want it to be uh, where they could, you could actually apply it. And so in the workbook, there's marketing planners and editorial calendars and this and that and the other thing. And so um, they did, they took on the cost of all of it and did, did from really, I, you know, it was always interesting if anybody's written a book, you know, it's, writing the book is hard, but it's amazing what they turn it into, right? Like if, if they would have turned what I submitted to them as the book, it would have been comical. Um, but the, the meat and potatoes was there and they just really turned it into something that was very deliverable. Uh, and it's done well and it's positioned me well. Uh, I speak now, uh, based on that book, uh, other chiropractic schools are, are selling it. And so it's been pretty cool. It's been a, been a fun experience. It was definitely hard, uh, the hardest part was since it was a university, they were really strict on me getting full approval from everybody that I mentioned in the book. And so it's like, I mentioned Seth Godin. I had to email Seth Godin. I was like, the guy's never going to get back to me. <laughs> Shockingly, he emailed me the same day back with approval. Um, but there was some that was hard, like Donald Miller. I had to get approval from him and that took some time. And I was like, it was like, chasing the president of the United States, some of these guys, and it was, but it worked out and we got full approval and all that. And, and it, uh, it turned out to be a nice book, mostly thanks to Parker university. Good for you that I know most. Um, and I, I just assumed you were self-published. Yeah, so yeah. It, for, yeah, for all of our listeners, uh, if you go through the book writing process and somebody else is going to publish your book, that, that is, there's some real work to that. So well done. Way there. more than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Um, so yeah, very easy to find. Um, you can go, we'll have links in the show notes here, but um, you can go online. I, I'm assuming it's available on Amazon. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so, and that's called modern chiropractic marketing, uh, doing it right.
Thank you for that. Um, so you, you mentioned uh, getting into marketing and in, I think you said 2013, 2014. Um, who did you study? Yeah. So one of the things that strategic coach talks about is strategic byproducts when you go down this, you know, so when I joined them in 2013, and it was like 2014, they actually sent me a letter introducing me to Joe Polish and the Genius Network. Oh, yeah. And I didn't join the Genius Network, but I was like, okay, who's this Joe Polish guy? And he had a podcast with Dean Jackson called I Love Marketing. And I just started listening to that. And I mean, I listened to every episode. And then that just really sent me down a rabbit hole. And, and one of my more um, instrumental learning aspects was the Content Marketing Institute, Joe Polizzi, Robert Rose. They also have a podcast called This Old Marketing. And, a, and a, they have a slew of books. Epic Content Marketing is like the Bible for me because everything I try to teach is content marketing. And so I went to their conferences and their master classes and all this. And I was really learning a ton. Uh, Seth Godin was another one I was reading a lot from. And I just was applying it to my practice. And what I would see would work, I would then tell chiropractors. If, I, if it didn't work, I would let them know it didn't work for me here. or Maybe this is why it failed. And so that was really my uh, training for that. And then I did join a marketing mastermind that was out in San Francisco in 2015. That was four meetings. That, that was good. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of where I, I really dove in head first on it for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Love, love uh, Joe Polish and uh, Dean Jackson. I yeah, love marketing. That's great. Uh, thank you for sharing that as well. Um, is, has there, is there anything that you've read in the last, let's say 12 to 24 months um, that you found particularly interesting could be in marketing or anything else? I read a lot. So it's a, it's a loaded question for sure, but um, uh, never lose a customer again by Joey Coleman. He's actually been a guest on my podcast as well. Uh, that book has sent me, and, and I also have a, um, a small group mastermind that we meet four times a year in different cities in Florida. We have equal parts guest presenters and meetings and brainstorming and equal parts fun. Um, but we've, in a, as a group, just really dove deep into the patient experience and trying to double down on that. Because as you know, most of healthcare is, is abysmal with, with customer experience. I mean, it's, it's laughable and, uh, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's just a shame. And so when patients come into our practice or other ones that are focusing on the patient experience, it's such a wow factor and it's such a practice builder. And so, I've hammered that a lot with my clients as well, because a lot of times they just want to pour marketing onto their practice and like, I need new patients. I need new patients. And it ends up being a sugar high if you haven't really built the foundation first. And that when you do add new patients, they're not just, you know, leaving your practice after a couple of visits because they're just not impressed, you know? Uh, so that's really been instrumental over the last, uh, I, I think, I think that was almost a year ago that I read it and had him on my podcast. But uh, I, I know I listened to one of your episodes or maybe it was, I read a blog post around longevity um, that you got into and you talked about, you know, at 42 with uh, two young boys and you're going to be chasing them around forever. Very similar. I had, my parents were super young. I think your parents were fairly young when they yep, had you they as well. Yep. Um, and I have a, uh, 
So I'm 45 with a four-year-old. So I think the math equates there. Um, And it's definitely on my mind. Um, You wrote about longevity, Dr. David Sinclair, and you mentioned a few other references in there. Um, uh, This is a a rabbit hole that I've uh, dove headfirst into as well. So can you talk about that, how you think about that as a father, as a business owner, and how you think about longevity and what you're finding is working for you and maybe um, one or two pitfalls to avoid? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating because the, the evidence that's out there and David Sinclair is definitely on the forefront of it. And his book, uh, lifespan is great. Um, and I like the distinction they make. It's not just lifespan, it's health span. And I know Dr. Peter, Peter Atia talks a lot about that also in his podcast. And it just means like, not only are we going to increase the years that we're living, but we're going to increase the years that we're actually healthy. And so a lot of people wouldn't be interested in living to 110 if you were really non-functional for the last 20, right? But if you could say you're 100, but you look and feel like you're 60, 65, a lot of people would sign up for that. And that is really honestly where the, um, the evidence is going, where uh, we're going to be able to get to that point. And so uh, it's, I'm just fascinated by that. And so I've definitely, you know, with having the kids a little bit later in life. And again, I, uh, I was very active kid. I know my kids are probably gonna be active. My two-year-old already, you know, dribbling 20 times in a row and he's just out outside all the time. And so I want to be that young, youthful dad that my, that my father was because he was young. And so uh, I just wanted to achieve that for, for a long time. And so I've been diving into that um, inside tracker, which is that one resource where they actually send you a kit and then you can have, um, you can either go to a, a, a lab and have your blood drawn and all that, or you can pay the extra $99 and that they'll send someone to your office, which I did. And it, and then you upload your DNA, uh, which I had done a handful of years ago. So you upload a DNA and your, your results kind of combine to give you a really good thoughtful plan for nutrition and other supplementation and, and exercise. That's not just one size fits all. And so I've been doing that. Uh, I actually got a retest coming up here soon. So I'm interested to see how I do. Uh, but, you know, I, I was 165, 5'10", 165 when I graduated college, uh, very fit, probably 6% body fat. Uh, and then I got up to like 184, not as fit in my mid to late thirties, but I'm actually down back down to 165. And I wouldn't say my body comp is the same as this 22 year old, but, um, I'm feeling good and good energy and, and I'm, and it's just motivated me. And it's been a struggle over the last 10 years that be motivated by exercise, but this has really given me, um, some excitement around continuing with it. And so, uh, making fitness first. And it's just really been a game changer for me. Awesome. So what, what have you found is, are you doing like the Peter Atia zone two zone five training? Are you doing yeah. like, what do you, what are you finding that works to go from 184 down to 165 and yeah. feeling great while you're doing it? Yeah. The nutrition has helped, um, certain things that I, uh, that, that were given to me by inside track are kind of following that. Now, I'm not perfect with my nutrition. I'm, I'm being reasonable, you know, um, but it's definitely been good. I joined a lifetime fitness by my office, which, uh, you know, it's not cheap, but it's like, it's really enjoyable to go there. I'll go to the sauna. I'll, I'll swim laps. I got a lap pool. 
I'll shoot basketball hoops. So like one of my focuses has been also to uh, one of my buzzwords has been is play. Right. Cause like, I want to be able to play with my kids when they get older is like, so I'm starting to play now, like playing basketball and playing, playing golf more, you know, things like that. And so just a well-rounded uh, being active, uh, lifting heavy weights about three or four times a week. And, and that's all been really what's been uh, helping me out, to be honest with you. Great. And how f- can you talk any detail about the diet at all? Because I, yeah. I'm very familiar with um, David Sinclair and then also Peter Atia in terms of what they recommend around keto or one meal a day or yeah. the short, uh, short feeding window. Yes. I haven't done that. And I was actually, Peter Tia just came out with a little episode on nutrition and he talks about how much he kind of hates nutrition. Cause it's so vague right now. Like it's, they're in that phase of, uh, where it's like, you know, enough to know, you don't know enough anymore with nutrition. Cause they used to think it was like, yeah, everybody should eat broccoli type of thing, but now it's not. And so for me, I needed to eat more nuts. I needed more vitamin D, which I was surprised ALA I needed. Uh, and then, uh, I definitely added, added more fish. And then it was interesting things like, you know, more avocado, which is general, but then, uh, you know, it was just a lot of the uh, more olive oil I needed. There was all these little things. And so I've been uh, following that, uh, basically, uh, I-, I joked around that, uh, I posted on Facebook that this is not a good idea, but I said to embattle, to battle inflation, I'm just going to eat the leftovers of my two-year-old that he doesn't eat. <laughs> And so a couple of people, a couple of men chimed in is like, yeah, be careful of that. That's how I added eight pounds, you know? Um, so I'm trying to avoid doing that and, and stay within my range. I haven't been perfect. So I want to be honest with that. Um, but I'm making up for it because I walk around the block 23 times a day with my kid. It seems like, uh, that's great. So, so the, the diet recommendations specific to you around like the avocado olive oil that came from the inside tracker. It did. Yeah. And there was like 20 other things that I, that I can't recall, but uh, lentils, definitely some more beans and and things like that. So great. And you know, one of the things I've done just on the subject, but off it, it kind of, I think is, is a good, um, combination of things, but, um, I, you know, I'm always looking on ways how I can, um, improve my team's life as well, like make their life a little easier. So uh, we have this meal prep service local. And so I provide two to three uh, lunches per team member that gets delivered to the office. And it's like really healthy prepared meals, you know, like one of those healthy meal services. And so I eat two or three of those a week, which has been healthy and helpful, but it's also been a way for me to um, give my staff a good experience and like like, Oh, cool. We got, you know, all these meals showing up on Monday and then they've got lunch for two or three days a week and, and they're eating healthy as well. So it's a little bit of giving back to my team, but it's also been a way for me to eat healthy as well. That's amazing. Uh, Dr. Kevin, love that idea. Mm-hmm. We've, we've covered a lot of ground here um, from, you know, you, you talked about the difference between evidence-based and evidence-formed. You gave a lot of great references from David Sinclair and the inside tracker to uh, Daniel Kahneman, thinking fast and slow, Joe Polish, content marketing, et cetera. Um, what's the best way for our listeners to find you or learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the podcast, which has been rebranded to Modern Chiropractic Mastery, because we had so many people on that were not really marketing. You know, I've had the psychologists on around burnout, and we've just, it's basically all practice 
development and personal development stuff. So we rebranded it and you can find us at anywhere really. Uh, and that's Modern Chiropractic Mastery, uh, or you can go to modernchiropracticmarketing.com. So the name of our company is Modern Chiropractic Marketing and the name of the podcast is Modern Chiropractic Mastery. Awesome. So I have a, a podcast deck here, yeah. Dr. Kevin, we're going to pull three cards. All right. Never know what we're going to get. Uh, a, a friend uh, who has been on the podcast a couple of times, uh, Ben Walker mentioned these to me and they, they've been a hit so far. So okay. if we have a bad question. I'll move on. I'm intrigued. Uh, well, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, name something on your to-do list that never gets done. Oh man. Yoga. <laughs> that's good. That's great. Uh, this would be interesting. What does your typical Friday night look like? Oh yeah. Now we have kids. Uh, you know what it's actually been, it's going to sound a little crazy, uh, but we've got a nice pool and I got a whole surround sound system out there. I, I get my son to bed about seven 30 and I come out and I pour a glass of wine and I frolic in the pool for about 45 minutes, listening to music, drinking wine and, and trying to get my head clear. And uh, occasionally my wife will join as well, but uh, we got the four month old. She's hanging out with a lot. So that's been a lot of my Friday nights recently. Great. Um, what three, th we'll end on this one. What three things would you leave in a time capsule for people to open in 50 years? You know, uh, it's going to answer a little bit funny, uh, but I had a buddy of mine whose father was really high up in the military and, and all this, and he did something cool. And I, I'm going to do it soon, especially since I interview people for a living, but he interviewed his father uh, and recorded it. And he wanted to have that for his kids down the road. And so one of them would be, I'm going to interview my dad uh, because I, I never got to meet his father. He had died when my dad was 11. And so I never got to really know my grandfather. And so I'd love to have that um, for my kids because uh, you never know uh, how long your parents will be around. And with uh, them being older and my kids being younger, I'd love for them to, to really get the essence of my father. So that would be one. Uh, two would be my book. <laughs> and uh, three, I don't, I don't have a good third one, I'll be honest. Fair enough. Uh, I, I think that's a good jumping off point for us. Uh, this was absolutely amazing. Dr. Kevin Christie, you are a gem. Thank you so much for being on the Grow Your Practice podcast. Yeah. Thank you for your opportunity. I appreciate it. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, Thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.